for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app where you can also submit a prayer request. I want to encourage you to contact us if you are in need of prayer. We're starting another two-part series called You've Already Got This. Pastor is pointing out the importance of knowing what we already have in Jesus. He came to earth, died on the cross, rose again, and then sat down at the right hand of God. The same power that lives in Jesus lives in us. You just have to believe. Let's see what Pastor has to say about it in today's message, What You've Got. Well, today I'm going to bring you a rather simple message, kind of a standalone message. We got Dan Seaborn here next weekend, but I'm going to just entitle this message, You've Already Got It. Right? I want to start in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask or think. You know, that's how far most of us quote the verse. God can do so much, but we think about ourselves. And we say, well, you know, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. God will do everything. And we try to get God to do something. And we say, well, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, even what we can imagine. But notice the rest of the verse. According to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. You see, we sometimes don't realize that God has foreseen all of our needs. In fact, it says it this way in 2 Peter. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, it doesn't say we've got to get God to do something. It says that he has given. Now, I was never really good at English. In fact, I was never good at school at all. But has given, how I many, that is past tense. We're trying to get God to do something. But from God's perspective, it's already been done. It's already been paid for. God foresaw all of our needs, and all of those needs were taken care of in redemption, in what Jesus did. In fact, even if you'd go back to creation, God did not create man and then supply his needs. In fact, when God put man on the planet, there was a, the, the planet was ready to take care of billions and billions of people. Even today, did you know that 90% of all bananas fall on the ground? 90% of all coconuts fall on the ground. They're, they're just wasted. There's nobody there to eat them. You see, God put everything out there. You see, God created the earth, and last, once everything man needed was there, then God created man. You know, if God had created man right away, <laughs> think about it. If he had created man right away on the first day, he didn't create dry, or dry ground until the third day. So we would have been out there treading water for two days waiting. <laughs> but God had it already. God didn't wait until we needed air and then say, well, I'm going to make some air. Or God didn't wait until we needed food. And they said, I'm going to make some bananas. No, no, no. It was all ready beforehand. And it's according, the Bible says what God does today is according to the power that works in us. 
In Matthew 28, Jesus said, he said, all power in heaven and earth been given to me. Go you therefore. In other words, he's saying the power that I've been given, I am delegating that power to you. He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. In Mark 11, Jesus said, after he had cursed the fig tree and is explaining to his disciples about how faith works, he tells them that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. And so according to Jesus, and how many know he's right? It's not up to God whether the mountain moves. It's up to you. Because he said, if you will say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you'll not doubt in your heart. They say, what we need to recognize is that God has done everything that needed to be done for us. The Bible says we already have a complete redemption. Peter said it includes all things that pertain to life and godliness, your natural life and your spiritual life. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding or your heart being enlightened, being opened, being, one translation says being flooded with light, that you can know the hope of his calling. So you need to know, he's praying that you will know what is God's will for your life? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Say it this way. You need to know what Jesus purchased for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then, it's good, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. Now, where is the power? In us. And it is for us. See, when we pray, we typically say things like, God, God, do this. God, do that. God, save Brother Bill. God, save Uncle Tom. Now, now, what would God do to save Uncle Tom? Jesus already went to the cross, shed his blood, defeated the devil, and rose again. How many know there's nothing more that God could do? At this point, Uncle Tom needs to receive what's already been done. But that is true about all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when Paul prays, he doesn't pray like most of us pray and say, God, do this, and God, take care of that, and God, God, do this, God, do that, God, do the next thing. He's saying, we need to understand what's already been done. And we need to understand the exceeding greatness of his power that is in us. You know, the Bible says that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, how I many know he's on the inside? Why do you think you bow your head when you pray? There he is. <laughs> he's on the inside. He came to live inside you. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken, he will make alive 
your physical mortal body. So he said it's that same power. Now notice it says, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The same power. Now, now again, we're looking for God to do something, and God is saying, look, I've already done something, and I have put that power in you. I've given you the authority that Jesus had when he rose from the dead. I, I read a book uh, this week, and uh, I wanted to read a little story out of this book because I thought it, it kind of illustrated the point. I said, uh, once there was a man in what would be today Iran, in Persia, who lived by the river Indus. His name was Ali Hafad. He said he owned a very large farm. He had orchards, green fields. He had gardens. He had money he had lent out to interest. He was wealthy and he was content. He was content because he was wealthy and he was wealthy because he was content. And one day there came a visitor to the old Persian farmer, a priest. And the old priest told Aliafed that if you had a diamond the size of your thumb, you could purchase a country. And if you had a mind of diamonds, you could place your children on thrones through the influence of your great wealth. Aliafed heard about diamonds and how much they were worth, and he went to bed that night, and all he did was think about diamonds and considered himself a poor man. He was poor now because he was discontent, and he was discontent because he feared he was poor. And he said, I want a mine of diamonds. And he laid awake all night. In the morning, he said to that priest, he said, tell me, where can I find diamonds? And the priest said, diamonds? What do you want with diamonds? He says, I wish to be immensely rich. Well, the priest said, all you have to do is go and find some diamonds. And he said, well, I don't know where they are. He said, if you will find a river running through white sand in between two mountains, he says, you always find diamonds there. Well, he said, I'm going to go. He sold his farm, collected his money, left his family in charge of a neighbor, went away in search of diamonds. He began his search. He came to the, the, uh, the valley of the moon between two, two mountains, found no diamonds. Then he went to Palestine. He found no diamonds. He went to Europe. And at last, all of his money was sent, and he was in rags, wretched and poor. He stood at a bay in Barcelona, Spain, and as the great waves were rolling in, he sat there and thought, now I'm poor, I'm afflicted, I'm suffering, I'm a dying man. And he actually couldn't resist, and he plunged into the waves and committed suicide. The man who purchased Ali Hafed's farm one day led his camel, probably the same camel that Ali Hafed had sold to him. And that camel put his nose in a little stream that ran through the property right next to the garden. And as he looked down in the water where the camel was drinking, he saw a rainbow, and he reached down, and he pulled out a stone, and he saw as the sun hit it, it produced a rainbow, and he thought, man, this is a beautiful stone. He took it home and put it on the mantle in his house. A few days later, that same priest came, and when he opened the door and the sun hit 
that rock up on the mantle. He ran over and he said, this is a diamond. This is a diamond. And the man said, no, that's just some rock that's, that's all over. They said, they're just all over. And I just pulled it out of the, out of the creek when the camel was drinking. And he said, no, no, no. He said, this is a diamond. I'm positive it's a diamond. He said, well, where did you find it? The priest said, and he went and showed him and they grabbed some more, even bigger. Well, the story is, and it is supposedly a true story. They discovered the diamond mine of Kolanda. It's the most magnificent diamond mine in the history of mankind. The crown jewels of England and Russia all came from that mine. Now, Eliphate had what he was looking for, but he thought he didn't have it. And because he thought he didn't have it, he didn't use what he already had. And I think that that's really true in a lot of our lives. The Bible says the exceeding greatness of his power, right, that's in us and for us who believe. You might be looking for peace, but you've already got the Prince of Peace on the inside of you. You know, you, you may really be looking at your spouse and thinking, man, you know, we got married and it was ideal. You know, and about six months later, it was an ordeal. And right now, I think I need a new deal. <laughs> but you just don't see the acres of diamonds that you already have in the spouse that you have. I remember Jeannie talking with a, a lady a number of years ago who was preparing to divorce her husband. And Jeannie said to her, he said, said to her, he said, do you know if you divorce him, there's going to be a lady who's going to come along and she's going to see things in him that you don't see in him. And she's going to marry him and she's going to have what you could have had, but didn't realize that you had. Hello. So often we're looking someplace else. You know, the talent, you're looking at somebody else's talent, somebody else's gifting, but you've got great talents and great giftings that God has given you. And we're going around to God and saying, you know, I'm no good. I have nothing. I can do nothing. But God says on the inside of you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's saying that that power that's on the inside of you is there for you. It's in you to be used on your behalf. You know, we tend to look at a valley and think, man, this is a terrible place. I'm in a valley. You know, but the Bible says in Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. I thought about it this morning. King David woke up in the morning in Bethlehem by the way, about, what, two miles from where Rabbi Shmuel lives. And he went down to the valley of Elah. And uh, there was a giant down in that valley. You know, it was the giant that was in the valley that changed his life. You know, it, it, it's, when, it, it's not the fact that you have a giant. It's the fact that you face the giant and slay the giant. How many of you know if all it took was giants, every one of us would be spiritual giants, right? But it's what you do in the midst of that situation. You know, the grass always looks greener someplace else. Uh, somebody said, yeah, it looks greener because it's over a septic tank. 
You know, you just need to fertilize your own. Realize what you already have. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. He is a guy who didn't know what he had. He came to his father who had two sons. The younger son said, you know, I'm sick of waiting for you to die. I want my inheritance and I want it now. Well, his father gave him his inheritance and the Bible says not many days later, he went into a far country. And there he spent all that he had in riotous living. Finally, he ran out of money and a famine came and he finds himself feeding pigs. And for an Orthodox Jewish boy, that is not a good place to be. And the Bible says he, he wished somebody would just give him the food the pigs were eating, but nobody did. And he came to himself and he said, even the hired servants at my father's house, they have more than enough to eat. And here I am perishing as hungry. I will arise and I will go to my father. And I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He leaves, and he's still a long way off when his father sees him. And the Bible says that his father gets up, which in that culture, an older man didn't get up and ran, but he got up and he ran. And he went to his son, and he hugged him. And his son tried to rehearse his talk. I sinned against heaven and against you. But his father just took him, hugged him, loved him, said, kill the fatted calf. Bring a new coat and put it on him. Bring new shoes. Put a ring on his finger because this, my son, who was dead, is alive. You know, when he came back, he realized that what he was looking for, he had all the time. And so often we're out looking for something, but what we have is what we're really looking for, but we don't realize it. Early in the book of Genesis, we find Abram and his nephew Lot together. And there's so many goods that the Bible says that their, their herdsmen begin to have contention. There's strife. And Abraham goes to Lot and says, you know, you can choose where you want to go. And Lot looks down and sees the lights of Las Vegas, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, man, that looks good. A lot of business. The Bible says the valley was green and lush. And that's where he went. Where Abram turned, went into a desert that was dry, full of tumbleweeds and cactus and rattlesnakes. Now, here's the interesting thing. Lot thought he was getting the best deal. He didn't realize that where he was was the place of blessing. He ends up going down and he's living in Sodom, but he loses his wife. His relationships with his daughter are defiled. He loses everything that he has and ends up producing as seed the enemies of Israel then and today. Where Abraham went in that desert, again, dry, tumbleweeds, cactus, rattlesnakes, seemed to be worthless, God-forsaken, nothing but a dust bowl. But it's interesting that what it takes to produce a diamond is some heat and some pressure. Some heat and pressure. And he was in a place of heat and pressure. But it's where God said to him, look up in the sky. And you see those stars? He says, so will your descendants. And, and Abram, take a handful of the sand. 
And you look at all that sand, so will your descendants be. And by the way, it's the two types of descendants. The stars represent his spiritual descendants. The sand represents his natural descendants. In that place where it seemed like there would be no blessing, there was blessing. The apostle Paul, who by the way wrote almost half of our, our New Testament in our Bible, is writing the Philippians, he's in jail. And it's interesting, the 15 times in that letter, he says to rejoice, 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 rejoice. You know, so often we think, well, I will win. You know, when I get married, when I get a breakthrough, when I get set free, when I get promoted, when the kids get out of the house, hallelujah, you know, when I get a bigger house, when I get a new car, when I get a better job, not realizing that where we are is the place of blessing. Where we are, that's where God has acres of diamonds for us. You know, Jesus, the Bible tells us, went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. It's one of the places when we go to Israel, we go here, right to this spot. And they run out of, they run out of wine at the wedding, which was not a good thing to do. And you know Mary's, Jesus' mother, Mary, comes over and says they ran out, do something. And Jesus ends up telling the servants, you know, take these large containers, fill them with water, take the water to the, the chief of the, of the feast. And they take that water and it turns into wine. But here's what the, the man said. He says, you have saved the best until now. You've saved the best until now. Now, this is what I believe is true about every one of our lives, that God has saved the best. He has saved the best. There is the greatest victory for you now, the greatest breakthroughs now, the greatest change for your life now. God wants to restore your marriage now. Now, here tends to be the way that we think. It's kind of like when Lazarus died. Jesus shows up four days after Lazarus has died. They've already buried him. He's in a tomb. And when Jesus arrives, Lazarus' sister says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, we somehow, we miss the blessing. You know, and I know there's a lot of Christians that look at their life and think, I missed the blessing. You know, if I had just been here, man, if I had been here when Jesus was here, or if I could have just been in this revival or that revival, then there would have been blessing. Well, then the, he has a conversation with another sister. And she's basically saying the same thing. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Well, if you would have been here in the past, we could have had a great thing. And someday in the future, we're going to have a great thing. In the resurrection, it's going to be great. It used to be, if you had been here, it could have been great. It would have been great if I could have been there. And someday it's going to be great. And, and unfortunately, in Christianity, that's what we see so often. Everything is by and by pie in the sky. But I don't know about you, but I want pie now. 
right? And they, they listen, listen, they're like, oh, if just if, if you had been, if I had been in the past, in some day, oh, it's going to be great. You know, we sing about it. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. No, and I'm always going to be glad then, but right now, it's just you're just stuck in the nasty here and now. But Jesus goes over to the tomb and says, roll the stone away. And they say, no, no, don't do that. He's been dead four days, and by now the body's decaying, and there's an odor. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? And he cried out, and he said, Lazarus. Now, the reason he said that real loud, because if he hadn't said Lazarus, the whole cemetery would have emptied out. <laughs> he said, Lazarus, come forth. I haven't been there, but the next time we go to Israel, it's one of our new spots we're going to go to. We're going to Lazarus' tomb. And Rick Renner was telling me about it. He said, when I went and saw the tomb, he said, the miracle just became so much greater. He said, because... It wasn't on level ground. He said, he was way, way, way down. And when Jesus spoke, he said, he didn't just rise from the dead. He said, he came bouncing out, bouncing out and up. Because Jesus is not the same yesterday and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's amazing how when we quote the verse, we tend to misquote it about yesterday and forever and leave everything for either the past or for the future. But the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you, and it's for you, right? But what we're doing is we're saying, God, do this, God, do that, God, do the next thing. And God's up in heaven going, listen, I've already given you the authority that you need. And we're going, you know, one day I'm going to get saved. One day I'm going to get a breakthrough. One day I'm going to forgive people. One day I'm going to take time for my family. One day I'm going to work through my problems. One day I'm going to forgive those people. One day I'm going to give. But the truth is, the Bible says today is the day. Today's the day for your breakthrough. Today's the day for deliverance. The day's the day to make the decision to do what God is calling you to, to do. We need to believe God now. Believe now. There's always an excuse. Ecclesiastes says this, he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. If you're looking for an excuse to not go today, there's always one. There's always one. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, now faith is. Faith is not what you're going to do tomorrow or sometime in the future. When it's faith, it's now. Faith does it now. Faith repents now. Faith receives now. Faith forgives now. Faith begins to give now. Faith does not wait. Faith is not about yesterday, and it's not about tomorrow. It's not about someday. Faith is now. Let me close with the story. Moses is in Egypt. He's come to deliver the people. God has begun to smite the Egyptians and actually their gods with plagues. 
You know, he strikes the sun because they worship the sun. He strikes the Nile because they worship the Nile. He strikes the frogs because they worship frogs. He strikes the flies and brings flies because they worship flies. Well, the, the plague of frogs has come. There's frogs everywhere. The Bible says that there were, there were frogs in their house, in their closet, in their kneading bowl. It's like you get up from the morning, you're getting your cereal out. There's frogs in your breakfast cereal. There's frogs everywhere. So the Pharaoh calls and says, Moses, come. And he says, I've sinned. Pray and ask the Lord to take the frogs away. And Moses says, God is giving you the privilege of deciding when the frogs will leave. Pharaoh says, tomorrow. It's got to be the dumbest verse in the Bible. Please let me sleep with the frogs one more night. Please let me have frogs for breakfast one more time. How many of you know the smart thing was to say, now, not tomorrow, but today. Now, faith is. Now is the time to receive. Now is the time to get right with God. Now is the time to forgive. Now is the time to decide that thing that God's calling you to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it now. If this message touched your heart, and you really realize you're not where you should be with God, or you're not right with God, I'd like to pray a prayer with you. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you just bow your head and just pray these words out loud from your heart. Just make them your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again and I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back and I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. I thank you I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, we believe that you are saved, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. You can download that book or you can get contact us and we will get you a hard copy. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We love you. We pray for you. And God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it right there instantly. Or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. We know that there are many of you who have been watching and waiting for a good time to sow a seed into this ministry. I'm here to tell you that the time is now. Thanks to the generosity of some of our donors, we have up to $200,000 in matching funds available right now. This means your gift will be doubled, multiplying its impact in reaching others with the gospel. If you've been looking for the perfect time to start sowing into this ministry, there couldn't be a better time than this. Please take a moment to give us a call, go online, or open up our app and make a match gift right now. 100% of your gift will be used to change lives with God's truth all around the world. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, 
we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF-TV. We'll see you again next time. Until then, be blessed.